Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a Netflix for finance? Well, there is. It's called Real Vision, and it gives you unprecedented access to some of the most respected names in finance. Watch interviews with legends like Kyle Bass, Jeff Gunlock, Stanley Drunkenmiller, and many, many more. If you want to be part of the Real Vision revolution, visit realvision.com slash WSO. Hello and welcome. I'm Alex Grodnick, and this is Moving Up, a podcast about secrets to success, struggles along the way, and life in general. Today on the pod, a partner from Upfront Ventures, the original VC firm of Los Angeles. I'm going to San Francisco this week. I was originally going to meet with investors, and there's also a startup conference we got some free tickets to, but we're not actively raising money at this second, so I set up some podcasts. I have 10 meetings planned to record podcasts with a bunch of founders and investors. I think there's going to be some awesome conversations. You hear with startups that you're always raising money, and that is completely true. We always need more, and it takes a long time to convince investors, so you have to start early. That being said, we got two big checks this week, and now we have runway for a bit longer. What that allows us to do is to continue being on the road, bringing on new users, and then really try to run a well-laid-out process to raise our seed round, where we reach out to investors a couple weeks in advance, go to South by Southwest at the beginning of March, uh, and then to San Francisco over a couple-week period and have like 40 or 50 meetings all stacked up. I say that we got two big checks this week. They both signed paperwork, but the money is not in our account yet. That's a big difference. Unfortunately, as I've learned with raising money for a startup, just because someone says they're going to invest and even signs the investment documents, that doesn't mean they're going to give you the money. Uh, Or it may still take 15 emails before you can get the money. We had one venture capitalist tell us in December that he was in for 100000 after we had four meetings with him. And then he just went silent on us. And another that was in for 50 that didn't respond until we told him that he had until Friday to get us his money or we were going to close out the round on him. Thankfully, that got him to move. I can't imagine telling an entrepreneur that I love the business and wanted to invest give a specific amount, and then just flake. It really sucks. Anyways, I guess that's par for the course with raising money. So the next couple of weeks are going to be spent planning out our investor meetings, continuing to bring on new users and grow fast, recording podcasts, and then hopefully next month, collecting some big checks. Okay, let's get into the interview. Hey, Kevin. Kevin Zhang. I'm in your office in Santa Monica, Upfront Ventures on the sixth floor of this cool building. Got a good view. Uh, do you have a good view at your desk? Uh, I don't ever look out at the window because just, I'm usually facing the computer doing a call. Just but yes, too yeah. busy <laughs> grinding, investing yeah. in transformative startups that are going to change the world, right? Hopefully. Hopefully, yes. Yeah. So you, how long have you been here for? Coming upon six years. Yeah, six so it's years. It's been a while. And yeah. you've, you've run the gamut, like analyst to partner, right? 
Basically, yeah, yeah. I joined uh, as an associate. Um, it was a pretty interesting time. Um, this was back in 2012. Um, I had just gotten back to LA. Before that, I was at BCG actually in Detroit. Um, I'm from LA and wanted to make it back out to the West Coast. You know, to be honest, I wasn't I wasn't looking for venture gigs. Um, I had friends who were on the buy side, whether that's in venture or private equity or hedge funds, um, and the general consensus was it's a pretty lonely sport. Um, the whole idea is that you come in as an associate, you source a couple deals, um, then you go on and work at a startup, and hopefully by that point you've seen enough startups, talked to enough founders that you can be better at judging, you know, both your own interest areas as well as um, you know what might make for a successful venture, right? Um, and and I had already worked at a startup. My first job was uh, at a healthcare startup in Boston, and so that was a team-based environment. BCG, you know, consulting that was a very team-based environment, obviously as well. Um, so I wasn't really looking for, for, for venture jobs. But, but what kind of drew me to Upfront was um, the team at the time, was, it was four partners and uh, basically one associate. Mm-hmm. And it's been around. And at that point, it was been around already for 15 years. And, and what the partners told me was we're looking to sort of modernize and grow the team, both on the investment side, uh, across senior and junior positions, as well as on the non-investment side to support our companies. And so effectively, this is going to become a, you know, a, a new ventures, a new fund, um, and we're going to look at m- new investment areas as well. So that, that got me pretty excited, and, and I was ended up becoming one of four associates that we hired. Um, so that meant, you know, my job wasn't just looking at legal documents and doing transactions. I actually got to, you know, spend time with founders, get to work with all the different partners, get to go look at new investment areas, et cetera. So anyway, that was kind of the whole genesis point. Cool. Were the other three associates consultants as well? Or were they bankers? Were they startup guys? Uh, so it was a mix. So there was one other consultant, uh, one banker who then ended up going into media, um, and then uh, one guy who was at a startup. Got it. So everything. Yeah. All right. And you said something interesting there. You said there were four partners and one associate, and then you, and then you hired more associates. But coming from your world and consulting, it's like the opposite, right? There's four associates for one partner, maybe more, maybe like yeah, actually a lot more associates yeah, yeah. For, for one partner. Uh, so like, talk, tell me about why that is, and and then how how that like translates down into like the work that you do if, if you're one instead of you know many. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's many aspects to a to a venture job, and funds do it differently. But um, I roughly bucket it into, you know, spending about a third of your time looking at new companies, right? And that's both a function of going out there and meeting founders, but also being out in industry events, uh, networking with other VCs, you know, corporate executives and specific departments, etc. You have another third of your job that's you know obviously doing work and helping your existing portfolio companies, and that could be everything from hey, we're thinking about entering a new market. Um, you seem to have backed a couple companies in that market. What do you think? Let's go to a strategy session. To we need help hiring you know, a, a, a new head of sales and whatnot. Can, who do you know in your network um, that you can help refer? And uh, can you help interview as well, et cetera? So like, it really scan, spans the gamut. And then the last part would be maybe this is the part that would be closest to, you know, I would say, consulting, banking, et cetera, which is where you're... Uh, actually executing the transaction, and that's you know figuring out the terms and uh, looking at the legal documents, uh, looking at the financial models, um, doing the analysis, both research on the background materials and in the industry as well as on the team. Um, so, 
you know, it's hard for one person to do all of that, right? And inevitably, you know, if you're only one person, then you end up doing mostly that third bucket, which is more the analytical and and, and sort of uh, admin and transactional work. Um, and when you have more people, you give everyone leverage, and people are able to go out there and look at new investment areas or study up on existing investment areas, meet founders, et cetera. So then, Kevin, why has venture, like, there's obviously tons of money being made in venture. Why don't they hire a few more like support people? Why is it like that kind of structure is just has been so prolific? I think that's partially just, um, you know, venture is a partnerships business, right? Um, and, uh, traditionally I would argue it was very much the, the old school way is almost like you, the partner, and that's your portfolio company, and you sit on that board, and you do work for that company. Um, and then you add another one, and you add another one. Um, there was almost, I would argue, you know, in very old school firms, uh, uh, like if you're more of a junior member of the team, like you shouldn't be spending that much time in front of the senior executives, or why would you come to the board meeting, and, and things like that. And I think you've seen the venture ecosystem and, and obviously evolve over the last 10 years, where that's becoming more and more prevalent, and I think that's great. So you are now have funds that actually almost invert the model, right? Where they do have that, you know, one partner with the five supporting staff, right? And that could be everyone from, uh, you know, a junior investment staff to, you know, I have three people who is in charge of helping companies hire people. And I have four people who really understands marketing and early stage growth. And I have another two around operations and tools and platforms, et cetera, right? And so we've kind of gone down that model. And nowadays we do have a head of talent, a head of marketing, a head of ops, head of platform, et cetera. And that's, given each of us tremendous amount of leverage. Um, they have you know, such specific functional expertise. I mean, you know, Megan, my talent partner who's in my office, she'll, she'll obviously be better at sort of uh, helping with hiring candidates than I will. And that's just something she's done time and time again back at, you know, in Hulu and Vessel, et cetera, right? So I think that, you, I think you're going to see that happen more and more in the industry. Interesting. So do you specialize here or is it like startups? Or is, 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 there, is there specific industries that, that you gravitate to? Yeah. Um, I think what can kill a venture firm or really any kind of investment firm is um, if you stay still and you only do the things that you understand. So I think, you know, it's incredibly important that you're always thinking about what are new technologies that are coming online that can have a potentially large impact both on industry you know and industries you haven't seen before. Um, what are industries that you might have looked at in the past that you thought, ah, that's not particularly suitable for disruption or the incumbents are too strong or whatever. Like, what has changed in that industry over the last couple of years that, that might make that an attractive area to, to start a new company in, right? So all of us here are, are generalists, but of course we each have areas that we care more about. Um, I personally spend uh, a good amount of time around healthcare. Uh, that's, I mean, that's what I studied. And I was a bio major. I worked in labs for many years, both in high school and in college, um, and was supposed to be a doctor. Took my MCAT, etc. Ended up deciding deciding not to do that, and and started working at at a startup, uh, which was basically in healthcare data analytics. So, um, did a couple years there. A company called Verisk. Now they're called Versend. Um, has now become an incumbent. But when I was there, it was still a startup, and ultimately got bought and, and went public when I was there. Um, so that was that was a very exciting sort of uh, two year period. Um, but I've always been very interested in healthcare. Um, and so when I got to Upfront, um, you know, and we had done. Uh, you know, a handful of healthcare investments before that. So, and since then, we've continued to do more. So that's one big bucket. Um, another big bucket I like a lot is, um, for lack of a better word, frontier tech, which is that was a conscious effort um, where you know we started thinking internally about like you know all we've invested in so far is software, right? Like other other technologies and disciplines that 
might also become venture scale and should we be looking at those and and that started was we started looking at hardware and iot deals almost five years ago um i believe that was you know when we first invested in rain um which is a um, sort of outdoor security company that recently got bought by amazon um and we started doing more and more hardware investments uh and then we started getting into food and agriculture um and made a number of bets in that industry that we thought was basically an oligopoly and and um uh and needed to change. Um, and then we started looking more at other areas in the physical and life sciences. So, you know, I, I do anything that touches uh, more of the science disciplines from biology to physics, um, I end up uh, spending most time on it. And, and for me, that, I mean, obviously that's, that's huge. I mean, any single one of those disciplines I will never be able to cover in my lifetime, but more of my time is uh, largely split across robotics um, on the physical science side, um, especially industrial robotics, and then, uh, and then on the intersection of tech and life sciences. So, so that's another big bucket. And then the third big bucket would be around uh, interactive media. Um, I play a lot of video games, always have, since I was seven. Uh, and uh, LA obviously is an incredible town for, you know, for coming up with the next new medium, the new platform, the new content forms, et cetera. Um, we as a firm have done very well around uh, some of those trends and new platforms, especially, for example, we did Maker Studios, which was very early days in UGC video content, you know, proliferated very quickly across YouTube and other platforms like that. So um, when I got here, um, this was right at the boom of sort of mobile gaming, and I got really excited about, you know, what more interactive forms of media, you know, can we consume and play on frequent basis, you know, uh, on our phones? So, so anything around whether it's an actual game content to a content creation tool, content distribution tool, live streaming, VR and AR, like all that stuff, I look at as well. Kevin, you're you're a smart guy. That was that was fun to listen to. Let's let's go back a tiny bit. So you go to this healthcare startup right out of sure. school. You you see it IPO. I mean, how many people were there when you started, and then how many people were there when you ended? Like, like what stage was it at when you, when you got there? So it was already a growth stage. I don't remember exactly, but I, I'm guessing at the time we were doing low tens of millions in revenue, maybe uh -huh. 20 to 30 million in revenue. Um, it was about 100 people, if I remember correctly. Um, and, you know, look, I, this was 2009, right? So I mentioned earlier that I took my MCAT and was supposed to be a doctor. I decided September, right, my senior year, that I didn't want to be a doctor for a variety of reasons. Um, the biggest of which was, you know, I sort of saw doctors as um, specialists, and the better doctor you are, uh, usually that means you specialize in a particular area. And uh, and I just I didn't really want to go that deep and sort of do the same thing over and over again. So so I left and I was looking for jobs. Um, because it was a recession, you know, your typical consulting, banking sort of uh, paths were, were frankly just incredibly challenging and hard, and hard to find. I, I don't remember. I, McKinsey probably hired one or two person that year from Harvard and same as BCG. So I ended up, you know, finding this healthcare startup in Boston. Um, and it was, um, they had a number of senior exec leaders that came out of actually McKinsey, BCG, et cetera, um, as well as a number of PhDs and stats um, and data science. So I thought that was kind of an interesting combination. So I ended up joining them. Uh, we were building um, basically data analytic products on top of health insurance claims. And the whole idea was that uh, you can now predict healthcare costs based on that information. Um, and I basically was on the product team to take that same information and benchmark your doctors understand who's performing well, uh, who is not following best practices, what are some gaps in cares, et cetera. Interesting. So the plan was always 
go to a consulting one and you graduated like I did. You graduated oh nine? Oh nine, yep. Yeah, same as me. Uh and it was just like a nightmare getting a job at all. Yep. Uh and then so you did this startup for a couple of years, probably got some great experience, and then you still you got that you got that startup job. I did wealth management for two years and then I got that investment banking job. Same, sure. Same kind of thing. Um so you were you come you like how'd you get that BCG job? Like those are hard to get. The they hire in Windows, a window right sure. after undergrad and a window after yeah. business school. You got it off cycle. I did get it off cycle. Yeah. Um, so the reason I wanted to still go and try out consulting was, um, I would say the number one thing at the startup that I didn't sort of get enough of would, was you know how do you actually understand the big decision making processes that happen was basically your boss or your boss's boss and like I was there helping design all the business requirements, you know, for this new product we want to sell into hospitals. But, you know, ultimately, you know, what was that initial decision to even decide that we should build a new product for hospitals as opposed to double down on house insurance companies, right? And 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 in turn, you know, who we should target, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I just didn't have as much visibility into that. And and the company was, you know, still relatively small, right? It's, it's not like a multi-thousand people company, you know, our, the healthcare division was still only a couple hundred people, but, um, so I was able to get some interface with customers and, and sort of understand a little bit the pain points there, but it just wasn't, it wasn't enough of that. So consulting, I thought would have been the perfect place where basically your job is to go in and actually try to advise, you know, these sort of very senior exec leaders across, you know, fortune 500 companies on, on very strategic issues. And so I wanted to understand a little bit what that process is like. And, and I think, um, I got into consulting, I guess, because I was a bit unusual, actually. Um, you know, I sort of had a little bit of work experience already. I had been in a product role uh, and sort of understood. I, I did I did some coding when I was there and data analytics. Um, and so, you know, sort of on the quantitative side, those are the kind of skills that consulting firms wanted anyway. And then on the sort of qualitative side, it was like, okay, so you have some knowledge around healthcare and you know we're obviously doing a bunch in healthcare um and uh and yeah so i ended up joining how who'd you reach out to how did it happen like they don't usually hire off cycle right they don't um i i'm trying to remember honestly it's been so long uh i had a couple friends who were already in consulting that Uh i pinned to get to the recruiters and then i also still had my profile at harvard's career services so I did use that as well. And then ultimately, I mean, I interviewed with most of them um, and ended up uh, picking BCG. And did they bring you in as a first year? or you, they gave Yeah, you some... I was a uh, first year. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Uh, I was the same thing. I did an analyst program and then I did another analyst program and I had to start over. And people were always like, oh, what's, what's that like? And I'm like, I, I mean, someone told me yesterday that oh, I love this advice. We're going to be living till we're 100 probably, right? right. So what's a career span going to be like 60 years? So in looking at one or two or three year period that like, oh, I'm not doing exactly the right thing or it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So I, I always think about it's it's about the people that you work with and, and what you think you can learn in that environment, both from your peers and, and from your superiors. And and I think consulting was an incredible. I think I was there for a year and a half, maybe two years. Anyway, yeah, it was I mean, I got lucky also like the kind of projects I got to work on were super interesting mostly strategy cases not you know sort of six months long operational implementation stuff um i got to travel a lot to asia actually did a number of cases in china worked on a big um private equity buyout um for a huge multinational company that ended up actually going through etc so yeah that was a i mean i I actually the things that i wanted to get out of it i 100 percent did which was you know how do you understand higher level decision making processes 
how to get comfortable and, and you know in front of senior executives and talk to them and, and try to convince them of something. Um, you know how do you do very rapid analysis across customers and industries you've never knew anything about, right? So yeah, that's I mean it sounds like you're very opportunistic and you're very open to trying new things. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I mean that's the whole venture job, right? Like <laughs> um, if I can predict, you know what exactly is the technology or the kind of company that's going to happen in the future, then uh, I should probably go be a Hollywood producer or something and just crank out, you know, a hit after hit. But really, this job is all about being curious um, and meeting other people and learning from them and, and trying to extra- extrapolate some knowledge across different areas. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really cool. It's That skill set and that mindset would, would probably benefit many industries, but you see other industries where people just focus i mean they're in a business they focus very much on on their business but then they develop a skill set around that and like they're not open to change or doing things in new ways it's like you're right that is one of the coolest parts about top venture capital funds is they're very flexible yeah yeah, yeah exactly cool so I, I want i want to get like what's inside of you like there's obviously something incredible i mean you're i get that you're very very smart but to have that flexibility in your decision making and then to get this job at BCG off cycle and then to come to a top VC fund go from associate to partner in five years like these are all really really impressive things like you're smart is it hard work is it luck like what do you can you point to anything on on how you've done yeah. all this um, yeah I think it's it's look there's it, I kind of think of it, obviously there's your own ambitions and capabilities and then there's the environment you're in right and I think um, both are critical I mean you can unfortunately sometimes you, sometimes you can try as hard as you can but you're in the wrong kind of environment and context and 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 really then it, the onus is on you to get out of there and like go look for some you know different a better context right even if that like you said earlier quote unquote set you back a couple years or whatever right and, and I think I've been pretty fortunate and blessed in that all the work environments I've been in I've been surrounded by incredibly helpful mentors um, and just super smart people that never sort of uh, got complacent in what they knew. Um, and, you know, just to give some examples, I mean, like, my former bosses at that first healthcare startup, right, um, at that point, they were still relatively early in their careers as well, right? They would have been, like, I'm trying to remember, actually. Yeah, one of them was, like, before that was, I think, a mid-level consultant at at, at, B, uh, at McKinsey, and another guy was a doctor and had and was actually finished sort of a few years junior consulting in a healthcare-specific practice and ended up joining that company, and this was sort of their first VP roles, et cetera. And now if you look at them, you know, they're all sort of either C-level or SVP-level executives at major healthcare companies, or they've actually started their own healthcare startups, right? So, you know, surround yourself with people that you know, just have, have incredible drive and never stop and always want to figure out what's the next thing. So that's, that's number one. Um, you know, number two, you know, understanding how you fit into that work dynamic, right? And like, look, part of the reason it's, it is rare that someone sort of growth within from venture firms is, uh, is some of just some partnership dynamics that might exist, right? And some partnerships are very stable and they sort of raise X amount of dollars for a fund every few years. There's sort of really no desire or room to grow that partnership and sort of to bring new blood and uh, sort of, you know, to refresh the team, right? So obviously, if you're in that environment, like, you can be really good and it still be incredibly hard for you to rise up, right? On the other hand, like, 
if you are part of a fund that um, is actively thinking about expanding, wanting to invest in new areas, um, you know, new geographies or any of these kind of things, and you happen to complement that, right? Or at least you try hard to try to complement that. That's where you have you would actually have a real shot at sort of rising up within the firm. And, and you know, at a front, that was always um, that was always super transparent, and the team was always. Like, look, we we are in a growth phase. Um, we you know we think both the LA ecosystem has grown so much, and we as a firm can grow along with it uh, and help shape it a little bit as well. That you know we want to continue to grow the team and expand into new areas, and that's something that you know we're open to both hiring from outside as well as promoting from within, right? And now we don't have all the answers for how we're going to do that because, frankly, we've never done that before. Um, but we're open to trying that and 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 seeing sort of where where this journey goes. And I think that's just even having that kind of um, sort of mentality is is honestly pretty rare um, in sort of smaller partnerships. Um, and uh, that's, you know, again, something I feel very blessed to have uh, been a part of this team and am a part of this team. Yeah. So, Kevin, when, when you think about your journey and you said it was a lot of people join a venture fund to go take a step to go to a startup. You didn't take that path. You've been here for a long time. That doesn't preclude you from taking it now. I mean, really seasoned venture venture capitalists go take startup roles sometimes. Is that your path? Are you a venture capitalist forever? Where do you think you go from here? Yeah. Um, look, I'm still a pretty um, pretty inexperienced VC, right? At the end of the day, venture is a job that just takes – it's very long cycles. You don't really know if the companies you've invested in will succeed. And successful companies take – seven, eight, nine, ten plus years, right? And I think, in fact, I forgot who it was. Maybe it was NEA that published a study recently that basically showed that the amount of time it took for an exit for a startup goes up by like half a year every year, right? So I think um, it, it just takes a while to get to sort of really learn the job and try to figure out if this is something you like and, and especially if this is something you you want to do. Um, I think it was very helpful to me, even though I wasn't obviously a founder and I was um, you know, just one out of a couple hundred people at that startup I worked at, it definitely gave me a flavor for what it was like to be in that startup environment. Um, and compared to now when I've been sort of, you know, working with companies from very early stage to growth stage, sitting on boards, et cetera, I think I personally like this side of the table better than I like the other side of the table. And one of the biggest reasons, honestly, is, is the fact that, you know, part of my job is to find new interesting areas and, and new passionate founders to work with, right? And there's inherent variety in that job. And and there's just less of that um, in a startup, even if it's an incredibly successful startup that has multiple products and, and sort of crosses industries, et cetera. Um, so, so I think I like, I like sort of the variety um, of the venture job. I, I like sort of this board level role. Um, and uh, I'm going to keep trying it uh, to see if I can be good at it. Awesome. Well, Kevin, the last question I always ask people is advice. This whole podcast has been pretty much very forward on advice, so I'm not going to skip that question. I'm going to ask a different question. You have described a lot of cool aspects of your job. It's a very enviable job. A lot of people want it, but it's still a job, right? So what, like, is there anything you don't like about it? Yeah, there's always things you don't like about jobs, right? Um, you gotta uh, humanize this a little bit, you know, make it so like, yes, these VC jobs are incredible, but like, there's still a job, there's still crap and stuff you don't like to do. Yeah, um, I, you know, obviously one of the hard things about this job is, I kind of say no for for an ant, you know, part of my job is to say no constantly, right? <laughs> I'm ultimately not gonna back all the companies I look at, and, and a lot of them, uh, you know, you, it, it, it's sort of a delicate dance how you give someone a constructive feedback and and versus, you know, 
oh, th- this is too early and it's not interesting, whatever, right? So I, that's hard to do, and I've been trying to get better at that over the years. And, you know, I, there's sort of no perfect way to do it, and it's, and it's an unpleasant part of the job, but I think it's critical. And if you do a well, that actually, you know, could give you an edge. Um, uh, I would say, you know, maybe another aspect of the job that, you know, can be challenging is... Uh, there is just now a lot of capital in the world, right? And there's a lot of people who are coming to invest, whether as a formal venture fund, as you know, a super angel group, or just as a family office, or as part of a corporate entity, part of a sovereign wealth fund, part of even a hedge fund or a private equity fund, right? So there's a lot of money uh, out in the market, and, and many people have written about this. But, but one of the side effects of that is, um, is it does create this rosy picture a little bit about what it means to be a startup founder and sort of how incredible that is and like you know technology and startups and like this is what people should be doing and 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 the capital is all out there and so the the, the side effect of that is that you know sometimes you do run, run into founding teams that almost um, have too rosy a view of the world and uh, feel like you know capital is always around a corner and 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 I should just always be raising more money and and you know uh, uh, instead of sometimes actually taking an inward look and trying to figure out, okay, what is the business that you're trying to create? What is the right amount of capital to go with that? And and are you hitting your milestones? Are you doing the things that, you know, if you didn't have that quote unquote pile of money readily available around the table, what would be the state of your company now, right? Maybe it might not be as rosy as you think. So I think that aspect of a job, you know, trying to sort of look, it's, it's just, you know, one person's opinion, right? Trying to also um, talk to founders about our views on, the amount of capital need, how much, what does it mean to have all this capital in the world? I mean, that that's um, that can sometimes take a lot of repeat, um, just a lot of repeat conversations. I feel like I say the same things over and over again on that. And so, um, you know, it's not a quote unquote bad part of the job, but it, it's part of the job, right? Sure. Well, Kevin, you didn't say no to me. You said yes. So thanks for doing that. Thanks for having me over here. This was, this was fun, fun speaking with you. Likewise. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for listening today. Let me know what you think. Leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends about this podcast. Thanks.